Joey. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Eric, you're awesome. Sincerity. These guys have been dear friends for a long, long time. And, uh, and uh, we've had a great time hanging out with them. And I will tell you, you guys have good pastors in this church. Eric is, uh, he is a tremendous friend and uh, a peer. We work together. And there's some things that we're doing in, in Portales right now that uh, we're taking on a big challenge. And uh, I, I don't think I would do it if I didn't have good friends. And one of them, probably the main friend I have in this, is Eric. And uh, you guys have a, a brilliant pastor who is humble before the Lord and who is patient for the process. And what you guys are experiencing here at the Grove right now and, uh, and, and what you guys are, are enjoying didn't happen overnight. It's been years in the making. And I have said from the time I met Eric, he is, he is not, he's not normal. <laughs> and this is in a good way. As, as a kid, his passion for the Lord, man, he was just so determined. I met him while he was young in high school. And, and I'm telling you, there are times whenever I was supposed to go share and, and I was too afraid to do it. I, I'm real timid and, and reserved. And, and as a, just a young kid, he would just go. No fear. He would just go and he would witness and he would share and he'd pray with people. And I have watched him mature and grow in the Lord and, and, and mature as an adult. And all, I got to see all that happen. He and Sincerity both, they were so young when we first met them. And they just grew up in that. And then I got to see him as a pastor. And I got to see him operate. And I'm not kidding you. He is, he is determined and comfortable to follow the process. And you guys, again, I want to say that you guys are part of something really, really good. And if you will jump right on board with him and go through this process, you're going to see that the Grove is going to make a huge impact in your community. It already is making a difference. But in time to come, if you guys will stick to it, now I know they will, but if you will stick to it and you guys will partner and be a part of it, you're going to see this church have a tremendous amount of influence, more than you could ever imagine or dream. And, and you know, for a pastor, for a pastor, the success, you know, for a pastor to succeed, to, for me to, to be successful, it's not about what I do so much. It's about what the people around me do. If I succeed, it means the people succeeded. Because the pastor's role is to train and equip and prepare people to do the work of the ministry. And so if, if he's doing his job, then you're doing your job and you all succeed together. And what a team. What a team this is. And what a team it's going to be for the future. So I just encourage you. Well, first of all, I celebrate you. Man, you guys are incredible. The Grove is doing such a good job. And I, I, I want to commend you. Now and for the future, what's going to be? There's some of you here that as a result of, of this process that you were in together, you're going to find that you're going to be more and more committed. You're going to start stepping into a more important role of the ministry of the church. And I'm telling you, when, when Pastor Eric's talking about me going and preaching in, in, in Taos, I went to the school ministry and I have no idea why they even let me because I was so afraid and so shy and backwards and and and... And then for months, I hid. I mean, there was only a few students, but I hid. I was terrified that they would make me speak in front of people. And, and finally, the pastor that we were under, he said, you're going to preach in Taos at this date, and that was it. I couldn't get out of it. 
And so Eric and I went up there, and I'm not kidding you, man. It was, I just started crying. I was so scared. I just started crying. They thought it was the Lord, right? They were like, oh, they started crying, praise of Jesus. They started worshiping, and I'm just terrified. And so I finally, after I cleaned myself a little bit, I talked for it. It was about 10 minutes. And when it was done, my fancy uh, prayer and altar call was, well, that's about all I've got. And I just walked off and walked out of the church. It was just awkward. And, and you know, it started back then, and I, I didn't ever dream that I would do this. I didn't dream I would do this. I, I just, there's no way. I would look at pastors and I would look at leaders in the church. I would look at people who were taking charge and leading groups of people. And, and I, there's no way I'll ever do that. And then today, here I am. We're going on 12 years of being in Portales. Um, man, even having kids. I never thought I'd have kids. Watch this. Stand up. Can you, is there a way to see these guys? Is there? Watch. Stand up. My whole family here. Whoever's here, stand up. Look at them. They are so excited to do this. Can you guys see them? That's Elizabeth. We've been married, I think, going on 22 years now. Something like that. Elizabeth and Mariah. I mean, Caleb is our oldest, and Mariah, and then Abigail. And then there's two more in the, in the children's church. So we have kids everywhere. You know, last night we, were, we got together with the Jones family, and then, and then Eric Sincerity, and all of our, we had all these kids running around. And they broke things in their house. Uh, we have five kids. Eric's have four. And then Nikki and Shannon have three. It's like we have, we have a lot of kids. What does that come out to? Like 12? I'm not very good at math. We didn't, we didn't do everything right before the Lord. But when he said go and populate the earth, we did at least get that part right. We're responsible for a lot of people in this world. And uh, it was really neat to get together and, and be with these guys and so anyway it's a it's a an honor to be here with you and i got to get to this message we're gonna be talking about why god's grace is amazing why god's grace is amazing and if you think about what grace is what is grace well i want to i want to tell you last night when we were at at nikki and shannon's house they were very gracious to us we went in there and i ate more than i should have ever eaten i mean they filled my tank we ate and ate and ate, and I had the crutches, and so I couldn't get up and walk around the house very good. And so Shannon kept bringing me food, and Liz kept saying, stop, don't give him more food. But Shannon kept, he's a true friend, so he keeps bringing me food. And, and I mean, we munched. And it, if you were to walk away from that, you would say they were very gracious to us. Grace is when you get something that you don't deserve. Grace is when you are just blessed. And you guys have practiced that before with your own family. There's times that you'll do something for one another. You're just, you're just being gracious to one another. So today I want to talk about God's grace. God has been very gracious toward us as people. And so I want to talk about why his grace, why his grace is amazing. Now you guys have heard the song before. I'm, I'm sure all of us here have at one time or another heard the amazing grace. In some setting, some place. You know, Amazing Grace is a song that was written back in like 1750s or 1760s, somewhere in there. So this song has been around a long time. There's been well over 300 different renditions of this thing. And, and so Amazing Grace, if, if you were to say, what is the number one hymn in the United States? You, people would agree it's Amazing Grace. That would be the number one song. Well, this John Newton who wrote this song, Amazing Grace, the reason he was able to write that is because he experienced God's goodness toward him. God loved this man. God loved him before he was a good man. 
John Newton today, the, the one I'm describing, we would all agree, well, he is a good man. He is a good, godly man. But he didn't start out that way. At 11, he started, uh, he was on a ship with his dad. His, his, his dad was a seaman, and he was with him, and he, he was living that lifestyle. I guess today in our world, you'd say, well, he was like working on a construction crew. I've worked a lot of construction through the years, and it can get kind of rough when you're working with these guys who work construction. Well, as he's on these boats, and he's doing good, these ships, and finally he's captain. And for a while, he is captain of a ship that's running slaves. And if you know any of, of that history, they would fill those boats up, and a lot of the slaves wouldn't even survive the trip. And it was a brutal, brutal business. And he was captain of a slave trip of a slave ship. About four years into it, he almost drowned in an incident, and then he met a good woman. Now, if you're men in here, if you have a good godly wife, you need to be really happy and thank God for that gift. Because this man, John Newton, met a woman. He married her. She was a a devout follower of Jesus, and he finally surrendered to the Lord. He then joined in the fight against slavery. See, anytime you connect with God, one of the marks of somebody who has really met God is they, they will start, just because of what comes out of them, they will start resisting some of the things that cause people to be enslaved or to be slaves too. And it happened to John Newton. He started resisting slavery and then became a part of the abolitionist movement to help stop it altogether. He wrote this song, Amazing Grace. And, and later on, I'll share with you in my own testimony of how I experienced that grace as well. But let me pray right now to open up. And, and, and I'm going to pray that each of us here get to experience God's grace anew as it's represented to us. And for some of you in here right now, that you experience it for the first time. Let's pray together. Father, I just ask that you would fall in this place. God, that your presence... Now, we know you're with us, but I'm saying your presence that can be felt in the physical, that you would fall in this place in that kind of reality. And, Lord, that this message, as we hear your word proclaimed, that you would drive deep into us a better understanding of your powerful grace and how it operates in our lives. And, Lord, that each of us here would take a step of faith, that we would step toward you. If it's a small step, a large step, whatever it may be, God, that each of us would step toward you and trust today. Thank you that you let us come before you and ask these things. Thank you that we have audience with you, our King. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So why God's grace is amazing. I want to read to you some text, and we're going to go into John chapter 3. And I'm going to read a good portion of this, and, and then we'll come back to it and kind of visit that again. And we'll build on this idea of God's grace. So I need the for God so loved the world, right? We, many of you know this verse. This is probably the most memorized verse of all scripture. And, and it's awesome. And this is a good one to, to memorize. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I'm going to say this before I forget because I'm just going to roll with this stuff. It talks about people who do their deeds and they don't want to stop and they're going to resist the light. It talks about people coming to the light who respond and they act on it. And in that last verse there, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Now listen, I hope that every one of you here today, that you are more passionate about finding the truth than you are anything else. I hope that you find truth more valuable than even your pride. That you find truth to be more important than what other people think about you. And that when the time comes for you to respond to the truth, that you would willingly do that. That you would, you would do what is right according to the truth. Now, the Bible is so important. We talk out of the Bible. We quote verses out of the Bible. We build messages out of the Bible. This is a book. That's, it's, it's actually 66 different books made into one. When you hold your Bible in your hand, you're holding a whole compilation of books. There are 39 books of the Old Testament. It took about 1,200 to 1,500 years for all that book to come together. All these different authors. And then you have the New Testament books that are written. And in that, it only took about maybe 65, 70 years for all that whole thing to come together. But this whole book of books is full of teachings and truth. And some people say, well, you can't really rely on the Bible. But listen, there are over 300 prophecies that, that are about Jesus. We're talking the birth of Jesus and the coming Messiah. There are over 300 prophecies that were given way before Jesus was ever born on this earth. And every one of them came to pass according to the way they were written. Liz and I were in Israel, and we got to stand inside this room where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. And they have the entire book of Isaiah. For those people who say, well, it was written over time and adjusted so that, so that it would fit the narrative. We're looking at this scroll, the entire book of Isaiah. They found this book. It predates Jesus. This one copy predates Jesus by 300 years. And that, compared to today's, is exact. It's not... It hasn't been rewritten over time. It fits. Inside that book, there are prophecies about Jesus, about the times that are going to come in the future, even that we haven't seen yet. So this book is so full of, of, of prophecies and truths. It's so full of that, and it's so convincing that we base our lives on it. So today, when I read through this, I want you to understand, I trust this with my whole life. In my eternity. And the reason God gave us so much evidence and so much proof inside the book that we can get with our minds is so that we too would have confidence. All of us have confidence. And I encourage you, don't just take my word for it. Do your own study. Look into it yourself. Honestly, look for the truth in that and you'll find that you can trust the scripture's teaching too. I mean, God didn't do this in the dark. This, is, this has been done in the light. And so today when we read these scriptures, they have the power of, of life and death. And I encourage you, look for the life that comes from this. 
So let's talk about God's amazing grace. Let's go back to verse, verse uh, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So grace is something active and real and physical. It's not just an idea or a warm feeling or nice thought. It's real. God, God gave his son. If you were driving your car down the road and it ran out of gas, you wouldn't just think happy thoughts to get it going again. You'd have to go get some real gasoline and pour it in that tank for that thing to get going down the road again. I want you to see God's grace as being the fuel that will drive your life the same way you put gasoline in your car. And I'm talking it's very, very physical. God physically gave his son as a gift to the world. And it says, and there's a couple things in here that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you go to verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. So there's two things I just want to pull out is God gave his son. Why did he give him? Why would we need his son Jesus? Because we needed to be saved. So there's two things there. We needed the gift of his son so that we could be saved. Saved from what? Saved from what? If you read the scriptures, you find that when sin entered the world, it came with a price. Rebellion against God comes with a severe price. The wages of sin is death. When you work that job, you receive that paycheck. Something is going to die as a result of sin. It's real. It's what we are living in today. And it's not popular and it's not comfortable, but I tell you, the the Bible teaches that in the future, in the coming future, that mankind is going to get into such a situation, into such a state, that there would be such destruction that no flesh would be saved if it weren't for God himself stepping in to stop it. You can find that in the Bible's teaching. Now, it's unsettling and it makes us nervous, and I think it should. You know, 150 years ago, They'd have said, that's crazy. There's no way you could destroy all flesh off of the earth. But today, you and I live in the present reality of nuclear weapons and warfare. It's real. It can happen. And you have the wars and rumors of wars, and you have this bickering going on between between nations. And these people who are in control of that type of arsenal, they have the capacity and... The way it looks, the rationale to do something like that, it could happen. And eventually, the Bible says that no flesh would be saved except that God steps in and stops that. So, we need to be saved. We need to be saved. And I'm not talking about just saving the earth by not throwing trash on it or, 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 or corrupting it with pollution I'm talking about we need salvation that goes beyond that. You and I, we need salvation personally. And that's what this is addressing. God sent his son into the world that through him he might save the world. So you and I have an opportunity to be saved if we'll follow God's plan of salvation through his son Jesus. Okay. 
Verse 18. Well, let me, let me give my Superman thing. I'll tell you my Superman illustration. Now, here's the deal. There's a plane crashing. You've got to go with me in your imagination. There's a plane crashing. It's on fire, and it's going down. And, and there's a whole group of people on this thing, and they're all screaming and hollering, and some of them have their eyes shut, and they're in a the ball in the fetal position, and they know this is it. We're done. We're not going to survive this. But Superman comes on the scene. Now, we all know Superman. Now, Superman, just picture this. He comes flying to the plane, but this time it's a little bit different. Now he's flying with a big yellow school bus. And he puts the school bus on the wing of this plane. And then he walks through the door of the plane, and he begins to talk to the people. Now, first thing I want you to notice here, if you were on the plane, would you have a problem with Superman showing up? Probably not, right? That's a good thing. <laughs> when Superman shows up on the scene, it's a good thing. So you're not going to get all mad at him. You're not going to be all, all feeling like, man, you're so condescending, Superman. You just walk in here in your skin-tight tights, and, and you just act like you're the best thing ever. You think you're something special. You act like you're better than us. You look down on us. Well, what would Superman say to that if you said, you think you're better than us? What would he say? I am. <laughs> I am. I got here without having to fly in a plane or anything. I just showed up here. So, yeah, I am better than you. I'm tougher than you. I'm stronger than you. I am more capable than you. And so, so if you don't like it, though, I mean, you can stay in your seat, buckle up. Good luck. Because here's what's going to happen. Superman's going to tell him, you guys, if you want to be saved, you just got to get out of this into the bus. Now, I'm not going to save the plane, but I am going to save this bus. I'm going to fly this bus down, and whoever's in it, you're going to be safe. Now, how many people are going to stay in the plane? Well, nobody. I mean, if you watch the movies, everybody's going to get in that thing. And Superman's going to help you get in the thing. Hey, don't worry. You need help? I'll help you. You got a gimp ankle? I'll help you. Right? I will tell you guys this. Jumping on the trampoline things they have in Albuquerque, be very, very careful. (laughs) One hour in, I'm sweating like a pig. I went and sat down on the side. I'm with all these people. I said, watch this. I said, I guarantee you I'm the oldest person jumping at this place right now. There are all these kids bouncing around stuff. I said, I'm the oldest guy jumping at this thing right now. And I bet you the staff and everybody, they're taking bets on when the old guy's going to kill over a heart attack or injure himself. And then I laughed, <laughs> and I jumped back on the trampoline, started bouncing across, and I'm, I'm giving Tigger a run for it, right? And I'm bouncing from square to square. And then my lovely wife, Elizabeth, wherever she went, oh, there she is, she jumped in the same square as me and destroyed me. My ankle popped. I flopped on the thing, clear as far away from anybody you can get. And then I had to drag myself like a coyote that's been run over on the road. And I'm just dragging myself off all the way to the side. I'm all pale. And, oh, it was awful. And that's why that, yeah. So anyway, even guys like me, Superman's going to say, let me help you. And he's going to help me get on the bus. But you've got to want to get on the bus. Now, nobody has a problem thinking about Superman that way. But when it comes to Jesus, sometimes we get an attitude. It's like, wait a minute. And you know what? The thing between Jesus and Superman is Jesus is real. Superman's not. Jesus is real. And God really sent his son. And if we choose to accept him and his path for salvation, he is going to save us. And not only is he going to save us, he's going to help us. Why would we have an attitude against that? He's better than Superman. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned. You know, Superman doesn't get on the plane and say, you idiots, you're crashing. You're so stupid. Man, you're going to crash and burn. You bunch of dummies. Why are you here? He doesn't do that, does he? 
There's no need to do that. They're already going to crash and burn. It's already happening. He doesn't need to come onto the plane and criticize them for being in the position they're in. Man, what a shame to be on this plane. Do you not know these, this company has a reputation for this kind of stuff? Are you stupid? He doesn't do that. He just knows he's got to save people. Jesus, the same thing. He came into the world to seek and save the lost. He came to look for people who were broken, who were trapped by sin. And he's not there to condemn you. He's there to help you. He's there to rescue you because he's the rescuer. He's the ultimate Superman. And so for you and me, we would be wise to chill out with the attitude. Chill out with the attitude. Jesus isn't here to be the killjoy. He's here to save. He's here to help. He's here to, he's here to rescue And he doesn't have to condemn anybody because they're already on the plane going down. It's happening. And that's exactly what we're reading about here in the scriptures. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Man, where are you at in this? Where are you at when it comes to a relationship with Jesus? Are you resisting that? Do you feel like he's trying to take all your fun away? Do you feel like he's, he's here just to maybe hurt you and put you in a monastery somewhere and, and you're a celibate monk somewhere? I'm telling you, if you wind up there and that's his plan for you, you're going to love that better than anything else you could have ever done. But that's not what he's calling us to. Verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Maybe you're here and you're hiding some stuff. There's some stuff you're into that you don't want anybody in this whole wide world to ever know. There's one who does, and he's the one who made you. So you might as well not hide it. Superman has x-ray vision. Jesus has better than that. He can see all the way into the core of your heart. He sees it all, man. There's nothing hidden. So I say, why resist? Let's get it in the light. Verse 21, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. They come. You've got to take that step. You've got to step into the light. Let God's light shine so it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I'm telling you, God is not here to shame you or destroy you. He's here to love you and rescue you. So I want to share my testimony of how I met God and experienced his real amazing grace. You see, I grew up singing this song in church, and I'd heard it a million one times. I work in a, in a chapel. At our church, we have two services. So you have a traditional with hymns and then a contemporary. And so I'm the pastor of the traditional service right now. So I go in, and we sing that song. Well, one time we're singing it just recently. And, man, it just hit me. Boom, the lights came on. That's why this whole message, just the lights came on. I experienced the same thing John Newton experienced back in the 1750s. I experienced it. I just didn't get it. Sincerity is going to sing this, and then we're going to discuss it.
thank you. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. In my own personal testimony, when I was when I was about 12, 13, somewhere right there, I was at my grandparents' home. I was going to sleep one night. I was in my bedroom, not thinking about Jesus or anything like that. I don't even know if I read a Bible at that point or not. I don't know what I did that evening. I just was going to bed. What I do remember perfectly is I remember that God came in the room. And I didn't see him with my eyes, but I am not kidding you. The reality that one day I would stand in judgment before God hit me. This is what I believe happened. God took me by the scruff of the neck, and he held me over hell. I realized that my parents wouldn't be able to stand in with me, that my great uncle, the preacher, he wasn't going to be there. I would answer for my own life by myself standing before God, and I was not going to measure up. I knew that I was not going to be okay on that day, and I was terrified. I had never felt so much terror in my life. That was the scariest moment of my entire time of living. I've never, ever faced that kind of fear again. And, and I didn't know what to do. I was confused. I was scared. I was horrified. And so I did the only thing that I could do, and that was I began to call out to God. And I didn't know a fancy prayer to pray. I didn't know the Roman roads. I didn't know any verses that dealt with that, that I would be praying specifically. But I'm telling you, my heart honestly before God just began to cry out. And I said, God, just let it be okay when I stand before you that day. God, help me. God, help me to be okay. I didn't even know what to say. I just said words like that. And I'm not kidding you. As God held me over hell, and I'm talking, this is one of the greatest gifts God has ever given me. Now, some of you here, you might say, well, that doesn't sound like a very good gift. It was a wonderful gift. God, at that moment, helped me to understand that I would never be good enough on my own. I could only, only be okay with him if I had a Savior. That was a gift, as terrifying as it was. But as I began to call out to him, one of these days I want to ask God, hey, can I go back and replay and see what happened in the room that night? I have a feeling this is what I'm going to see. As I began to call out to him, all of a sudden I was just wrapped in the arms of love. And I think Jesus came in the room that night and he put his arms around me. He held me. Because as terrifying as it was, the, the amount of terror that was there was instantly replaced with an equal or greater amount of love and peace and comfort. Jesus came and rescued me. And I laid my head back on that pillow and I went to sleep. And I have yet to ever experience that kind of peace again since then. I know the Lord rescued me. And I haven't done everything right since then. I made some dumb decisions and I didn't do everything right. But I will tell you, he has been faithful to me. The Lord saved me that night and he has never stopped holding me and loving me and carrying me in life. God has been so good to me. You see, grace, there's one grace that God has. I experienced it in its operation. One, to terrify me and make me see I need a Savior. And two, to secure me and hold me and let me know that He is my Savior. And when I'm weak, He's strong. When I'm not faithful, He remains faithful. You see, that's the God we serve. That's the Savior that God has made available to us. So, as for you, if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going, to, we're going to run through these verses. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, God, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the uncomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here's that grace word again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And I love this part. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which God prepared, I mean, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm telling you, man, God, he made you and he's designed you to do a specific work. He's designed you in such a way to have the personality that you have that's going to fit the time in which you live and the place in which you live and the people that you're around. And he's designed you in such a way. For you to do good works that he's designed, that he's laid out. What a wonderful, wonderful God. That doesn't sound like somebody wanting to ruin us or hurt us, does it? He loves us. Not only does he want to save us, he wants to empower us. His grace is going to be at work in us, empowering us to do the work that he wants. That's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. So you and I, you and I, should be running to get on that bus. And how you get on that bus is through Jesus Christ. He is the Superman of the story. He is the Savior that God gave. He's the gift that God has given to us. And you and I, you and I, the greatest way we can respond to that is with an honest heart. An honest heart of saying, yes, yes, Lord, I need you. Help me. It doesn't matter the words you say so much. I had a young man, and I don't know if I talked about him last time I was here or not. There was a young man who was a Satanist, and I'd been ministering to him for a long time. People in our church were ministering to him. Finally, he just, he just gave in. He said, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And I, I told him, I said, hey, give me a call when that time comes. Let me at least be there to share with you. So he calls me in the middle of the night and says, I need Jesus, man. I'm ready. So I went down to the office, and I, I opened it up and met him there. And, and he comes in, and he's got all his devil tattoos, right, 666 all over him, and the pentagram, all this stuff. I just love it. I'm like just in my head, I'm thinking, ha, devil, you thought you had him, but you don't. And so he sits in front of me. And I normally I'll say, well, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, and we do that. But this time I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I said, why don't you in your own words, you call out. You talk to God. You ask him to save you. And he put into words a prayer that I can't even repeat. It's the most beautiful prayer and will be one of the most beautiful prayers I'll ever get to hear in this life. And tears begin to run down his face. He began to call out to God to save him. He wasn't fancy. He wasn't well put together. But I'll tell you what, it was honest from the heart. And he called out to the Lord. And he said, be my father. Be my father. 
And man, he just he was just crying. I, just, I was like, oh God, thank you so much. I didn't do the repeat after me. So you know what? You're here this, this morning. And I don't know everybody. I don't know where you are. But in this place, in this time, God's powerful grace may be at work and you may be experiencing something and you're saying, man, I need to respond. Well, you know what? You need to talk to God. You need to open up your life. So I'm going to pray right now to close and then, and then while I'm praying, you can be whispering your prayer to the Lord. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm going to pray. And for those of you here right now who say, I'm responding to this grace, I'm responding to this God who loves me, I want you in your own words, you begin to talk to him, and you begin to just, just call out to him. Father, I come before you now. And Lord, we have heard your word proclaimed. You sent your son to be the savior. You've invited us to respond to that, to be saved. And Lord, beyond that, You've called us to, to, to let you work in our lives so that we can begin to do what it is you designed us for. And so, Lord, there's nothing harmful in that. It's life-giving. So, Lord, I pray for every person here, for those who are already walking in your grace, Lord, that they would swim deep in it. For those who are coming into your grace to say yes to you for the first time, man, Lord, that they would never look back on this decision, that they would run after you with all their heart. Thank you. You reach to us. And all we got to do is respond. Thank you for reaching. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give Kelly a hand today? Okay.